The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. The power of water should be Earth's human mission for a healthier planet. This show is dedicated and syndicated worldwide. We've had our guests in Italy, Indonesia, Sweden, Kenya, Holland. England, all over the world. It's a show that is dedicated, and the guests that come on are people with dedication to what they're doing on this planet called Earth. We can stand away from the planet Earth, look back at Earth from the solar system, and see Earth has water. And as you've known, they're exploring the world, the universe, to see who else has water. We had a guest on this last year who was with NASA and said, they did find ice on the moon, and maybe the moisture above that ice could detect something else for us, but Earth has the water. But we've been learning from all directions of the most dedicated people on Earth, whether it be World Vision and the Living Waters Foundation and other foundations and, and people dedicated to concerns of water. There is a crisis that is happening, and it can be an obstacle that we can work at together. And this is what the Sharon Klein Hour is doing. It's the only radio talk show dedicated to life-threatening water wars. Let's talk about them. Don't hide. Let's talk about those water wars that are killing people and people are dying. The global water health crisis. We talk about, that. we interview people that are leaders and authors and dedication to United Nations and NASA and and we could go on and on, the people dedicated to what they're doing, uh, no end of PhDs and research, and what are we going to do here to preserve the water and educate the water. We're doing news reporting, and we want you to understand that the moment you were born, you entered the air, you breathed, you came from water. And then when you entered that air, you breathe. We're not studying enough about your dehydration personally, each person, because that moment began a life cycle for you personally, like the climate change. You're dehydrating to your final moment. We're not studying enough, but we will. Trust me, we will. Water access and sanitation. Did you know that 5,000 children are dying a day? Now, this is a concern to me, and it brings tears to my eyes. Water, well, tears to your eyes. Save a child's life. Let's think about that. Can we think about this show going out, growing all over the world, bringing people together thinking, we're going to save lives because water is there for life. Water has a reason. Our guest today will teach us. Jerry Barnes um, is president of, of, a, of a company that goes out and understands what is happening with the interrelationship and the importance of water and the forest and our water, the stewardship of earth and its relationships with trees. 
all over the world. Our second guest, Kathleen Cooper, is a program manager with Global Water, which is a topic of global water organization. It's a global water organization that is addressing world water crisis through rural, rural outreaches from all over the world. This is a show that we need to understand what is happening with the, the women of the world. National Geographic has said, and their water issue is my favorite. I've been showing this to no end of people. It's in your water issue for National Geographic on page 96. If the millions of women who haul water long distances had a faucet, a faucet of water, by their door, whole societies would be transformed. The burden of thirst needs to be understood. Now, those women that are carrying that water every day, the girl, little girls are not going to school. But remember when I said 5,000 children are dying a day because of lack of water and sanitation, their, their children are dying. There's not enough water. We need to understand water all over the world and what we need to do. And this show is going to be a powerful source of understanding what a water well and save a child's life can do. Let's join together. We're going to listen to our sponsor from Biologic Aqua Research Center, the product Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only global worldwide product to moisturize holding in your hand with just a mist, the supplement of that surface of water that is there to, for you to have healthy eyesight or take away your healthy eyesight. Depletion of water at the surface of the eye can, can have a problem with your eyesight. It has now been understood and, and, and under, with research that that 99% water at the surface of the eye must maintain all the time a supplement. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is that supplement. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Jerry Barnes. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Our guest today is Jerry Barnes. He's in Cottage Grove, Oregon. He is the founder and president of Tree Improvement Enterprises that is dedicated to the relationship and understanding of uh, the healthier trees and water resources 
that concern um, uh, that is very important for tr- uh, harvesting trees all over the world. Jerry, are you with us? Yes, I am, Sharon. Thank you for taking time from your um, from what you've been doing. Now you've been in the midst of your uh, pine cone harvesting going on with your company. That's true. This is uh, the start of the harvest uh, season. Actually, it's been going on for several weeks now. Let's explain to our audience. Phase to us. <laughs> explain to our audience what we just said. Uh, you have, for well over thirty years, been involved in uh, the genetics of better understanding of the seed of how a tree will grow. And tell us a little bit about your background and how what what are you doing today with uh, pine cone harvesting? All right, I'll do that. Uh, I've been, as you said, uh, several decades in this profession, and uh, we provide seed uh, for uh, forest use and reclamation and reforestation. And uh, we uh, strive to provide a genetically improved seed that will provide more yield in the same acreage base. And that way enhances uh, what we can provide to the world in terms of, of uh, that product. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say genetically improved, explain that to our audience that don't understand. When you take a pine cone and tell us, explain to us like you're the professor in our class, you take it, pick up a pine cone off the ground, and you look at a pine cone, and what do you see at the pine? How do you l- learn more about that pine cone? Well, we we start with that pine cone when it's a bud or a, a flower. Did you know that uh, conifer trees had flowers? And uh, mm-hmm. we have over, uh, along with a lot of other people, uh, people that we assist in their uh, forest management, uh, selected trees that we that are the best growers for a particular site. And so the, the cones that we deal with uh, come from those trees. And what we do is uh, bring uh, those trees by grafting and by breeding into a common base, uh, what we call a seed orchard, so that we can produce a seed for these clients and these people that manage the forest to make better forests. And we call that genetic enhancement. Mm-hmm. So when you take, when you go, when you go, uh, and, and I will just correct me, uh, I won't, you are, you're not picking them off out the ground. You're literally climbing the trees and you're taking the pine cones and you're taking them into harvesting into your locations uh, to, to, to take the seeds out of those pine cones. Yes, we do. That's one phase of our programming is to take the collected cones and extract the seed uh, process it and bring it to industrial standards uh, and store it and uh, and return it to the owners. Now I've lost you. Return it to the owners. What does mm-hmm. that mean, Jerry? Well, that means that um, uh, we serve a, a large base of clientele, uh, government organizations and private, uh, that have forests that they manage, either okay. uh, to maintain and protect and to harvest. Okay. Okay, so now our audience is learning that there's a method here that you go out and to try to have healthier forests, long, longevity for eternity, lifelong forests. That you're, you, you started a company as a founder to go out, you climb, you climb trees in, different, in season, and you're hired by different, either the government or different uh, owners of companies, corporations, to go in, get the, get the pine cones, 
bring them to your location of harvesting to get the seed from that pine cone to grow uh, more trees. That's right. And it's not only uh, corporations. We deal a lot with individual owners, uh, small woodland owners. That's where the biggest uh, forest ownership is in the our technology. country. Jerry, are you with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Okay. So what is happening um, is uh, exciting uh, for the audience to hear is that you're the founder. Now, way back when you were the founder of, of the uh, Tree Improvement Enterprise, your company, why did you dis- what made you think that this would be an exciting future, that people should start considering the trees that are there can grow more trees, more siblings, when the trees are dying or diseased by the insects or whatever it may be, or forest fires, you can go back in and replant all kinds of trees, depending upon the tree that is uh, the species that grows there. Why did you think about that, Jerry? Why did it become important to you? Well, because I worked with the U.S. Forest Service for 20 years uh, prior to starting this business, and uh, the work I did for them was in this area. Uh-huh. And I felt 30 years ago that it would be good to move that type of service and expertise into a company that would serve all of the people that need that sort of Now, there would be a specialty, a specialty mm-hmm. doing that. And, then, and the more a, pers- a company specializes in a something, the more you learn about it. You've been pursued around the world. You were just saying to the audience that you do this for many different uh, organiza- uh, companies and uh, governments around the world. Uh, what are you finding that is such an exciting future for new trees to be growing in special locations? Uh, I think you've even gone to uh, as a guest to China, and they had you, they interviewed you, and and built a relationship with you on thinking about future growth of trees. Uh, am I wrong? No, you are right. I did that, and um, we have established uh, several of our forest uh, seed orchards in New Zealand. Uh-huh. Um, and the New Zealand is a country that, uh, being in the southern hemisphere at the same latitude that we are here in Oregon, they can grow the same trees we grow here. And so we go there to help them reforest and uh, afforest their land and also the seed that we produce there can be used on a global basis in a lot of different areas in this effort to expand our forest base. Now, and some of the information I've read about before you came on today, Jerry, and we've had you on before, and I want to thank you for joining us because you are busy. Uh, there's a description called a healthy and vigorous forest base cannot exist without a stable and abundant water base. What does that mean? In other words, to have a healthy forest to grow those sibling trees, you need to have a resource of a good base of water. What does that mean to our audience? Well, I think it uh, it means that we need to understand that the forest and all the chlorophyll uh, plants of the world um, are interdependent with the water resources. They support each other and maintain and build that base. So water and uh, and the forest are are a part of the same uh, ecology that must exist for us to live as we live in this world. Mm-hmm. Now, are you learning? I'm gonna. This is a question that 
and pretend like this is our laboratory and we're going to just talk and think out loud. It doesn't mean that research has done what about proving anything. But have you learned that the, uh, the, what you're learning about um, the uh, trees, the regrowth of trees and, and, the, and the seed of, the, of, re, of tree siblings is a, re, a relationship to also agriculture, what is happening with crops around the world and different ways to grow our resource in agriculture? Well, yes. Actually, the forest is uh, an extension of agriculture. It just takes a long time to rotate a crop. But it's all a part of the plant life of the world and the biology of the world. And uh, the more acres we devote uh, in our world uh, to green plants, the better is our water and air resource. Yeah, there's uh, people don't realize, you know, um, and here... I'm in Oregon, too. And, in fact, yesterday, Jerry, we were coming back from a, a trip, and here goes a log truck. And I had tears in my eyes, Jerry. Uh, Oregon was known all over the world, and the owners of those corporations that had the logging, uh, the businesses for lumber and logs, people all over the world wanted to have a house made out of lumber, not stone, not uh, it's concrete. They wanted a, a wood house. And the Oregon was an enormous supplier of lumber and um, trees going all over the world, uh, lumber, uh, to support people's excitement and desire and dream to have a wooden house. Um, and I was thinking about the old days, about when our way back in time when the companies were, that would cut the tree down and then they'd go in and start planting uh, new trees. Now, when did they start planting the new trees, the siblings that you're creating, that you're, you're inventing from that seed, new trees? Uh, when, when, when was that that they started cutting the tree down and then going back in and starting to regrow these siblings, these new trees? Well, for as long as the, the forest has been harvested here in the Pacific Northwest, there has been reforestation required and done after the, the stand was harvested. And there was nothing wrong with the approach in those early days. Uh, it regenerated the forest just as nature would. But over the years, and it's about a 50-year-old project or more now, uh, by careful selection, uh, we can put trees back in those uh, harvested areas that are more vigorous and less prone to insect and disease and, uh, and also will produce a higher quality of wood. Mm-hmm. And so that's been going on now, Sharon, for about, about 50 years here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were asked to go into different countries, uh, and let's say also New Zealand, and they have um, and greenhouses there growing these siblings from your seeds here. Um, explain to our audience, when you get a seed from a, a pine cone, are all the seeds satisfactory, or do you select the seeds that are healthy? Well, no, they are not always all uh, filled, as we call it. Um, there is, um, we strive to get as many seeds in each cone as we can. And uh, 
but um, each species uh, has a cone that produces a certain average number of seed, uh, and nature has determined what that level is. But we do have to remove uh, certain seeds from a lot in order to bring it to close to 100% e- uh, effectiveness in, uh, in use. So your expertise learned how to det- to examine and understand which one of those seeds is effective and how to discard the ones that are not going to be healthy and be effective. Yes, we have developed uh, machines to do that and use machines oh. that are available to do that. So oh, it's, a, okay. it's an industry. It's an industry. Yeah, exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I, real, I like this. Now, you know, when I had a, one of the heads of, um, in Hawaii uh, from the park system, and they were saying how all those different species that came into those islands came from birds from all over the world. All I think about when you're talking, what I'm thinking about is, my gosh, can you imagine the, the seeds that are carried from these pine cones from the, uh, to parts of the world that are so exciting? And then all of a sudden you're looking at this particular tree that you, you didn't, nobody planted, but it's starting to grow and gets of size that came from wherever because a bird carried that seed. Yeah, that's true, especially for islands. I know, but one thing that we have to keep in mind is that we can't take a seed from here and just plant it anywhere in the world. You know, we're the only species in, in life that recognizes the borders and boundaries that we set up like states and nations. And the rest of the species uh, have their own controls, and that's a certain environment that they grow in. So a part of the of this profession is to study those the environment to make sure that you put the right seed that will grow well in that area. Jerry, we're going to take a break, and you and I will come back, and we're going to discuss that ecosystem, what you're deciding, uh, have learned in genetics, about that seed can only grow where it's comfortable in a relationship, whereas we humans seem to get around and, and adjust. We're going to listen to a sponsor, Jerry. We'll be right back. And All right. Help us learn more about what you just said about that forest and its uniqueness. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. With just a mist, you can supplement your eyes, like drinking a glass of water. Now you with just a mist, you can supplement your eyes with Nature's Tears Eye Mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Jerry Barnes. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Jerry, we were talking about, to our audience worldwide, about we humans, Earth's human mission here can adjust. Uh, although, Jerry, my research in dehydration is learning, are we really adjusting? I don't think so as much as we try to fake the fact that we are so mobile that we're not adjusting with dehydration like we think we are. You're talking about forest and the relationship of the seeds to grow and trees to grow that have to have a specialized locations where they're most comfortable for their species to regenerate and regrow. Could you explain that to us? Yes, it's um, uh, the ecology uh, of a forest uh, is a very complex thing that uh, involves hundreds of species. And uh, each year of the forest development, there's a different list to look at. So at least to begin with, we have to provide to a seed that we have produced an environment that is uh, similar to that from which it came. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be that exact site, uh, but we have to appraise the, the environments and the zones, uh, growth zones through the world so that we carefully place that seed where we know it will grow. Now, okay, let's back up for a second and paint this picture of the vision of this as a classroom. In other words, you, you take your seeds from a particular location and then you take them to the harvest, but you're also documenting uh, the discovery of the lo- understanding of the soil and the location that that seed came from. Exactly. And then you take, and when somebody comes to you and needs to understand uh, the siblings that you, they can grow from those seeds, they're getting from you also uh, discovery material of how to regenerate, reduplicate that as much as they can with, with human mission, yeah. how to reduplicate that species and put it in the right location to, re, to grow that seedling uh, or that t- new tree much more. Uh, well, they're probably in greenhouses, aren't they, to start with? Some of them, uh, some are in uh, in um, what we call uh, uh, bare nurseries, you know, uh, just in the ground. Others okay, are in sorry. greenhouses. But they try to duplicate that with your directions to master the fact that they need to be cloned. In other words, similar to where they came from. Well, they need to be uh, genetically adapted to the location to which they go. Okay. Most of our work is done not. Uh, uh, for others that have uh, harvested in a certain area, and uh, they make the determination to put the seedlings back to where they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, one exciting part of this, though, Sharon, is that there are vast acres and areas in the world that have no forest mm-hmm. that could be forested. Wow. And like uh, so those, those uh, areas are a part of our focus to try to get to expand our forest base to enhance our, our developing world. You know, Jerry, you just said something that is so in, uh, uh, unbelievably fascinating with a huge economy future. Um, there's an economy future for the world to listen to you and people like yourself that there, there is something here with uh, new growth in our soils, using our soils to protect the soils, but you've got to protect the water. 
That's why this show is so important. The power of the water and the soil and the growth of new life in uh, the agriculture, trees, the, the foods, the nutrition of the world. It can save our planet, but it can save lives. Because people need to understand, Jerry, that what you're doing will save the life of the planet. Now, I've had some very exciting people on through the years. Um, one of the heads of Antarctica, a uh, professor from um, um, MIT, and he was saying how it is fascinating to study that the people of the world, when we lose the water resource, we move away from there, of course, toward closer to the water. But all of a sudden, our planet's axis the weight of the planet is changing because we're all going toward where the water is at at another spot. What you're doing is you're showing the, the earth, the planet, that we can begin to migrate our seeds, put them into different locations, and begin another cycle of the planet. And now that's, I, that's where I come from, Jerry. With well, and that's true. We have to remember that soil is made by the interaction of sunlight uh, life and water. There we go. Those are the components that have sunlight. converted this rock into yeah. the world that we have now. Okay, so it'll be the sunlight, the seed, whatever seed it is, human or whatever, and water. Right. And uh, now I'm going to ask you a question, and if you don't want to go there, uh, we won't go there. You know, we've had a lot of shows. That, we've had shows in Holland and Kenya and England, all over the world, uh, and and when I go over to the desert countries and we look at a desert country like in Yemen and different, we've had them in different parts of the world there too. Tell us about what happened, do you believe? Do you have an outlook, a theory? What happened to for that, all that area that used to have so much water way back in time? It became desert. It became a sand. What happened to the, uh, to the water? Is it because the trees all faded away? Did they have no trees? Uh, what, give us a picture of what knowledge you might have. Whether well, there, there's uh, any number of things that were, can be involved and were involved, but one of them that we can focus on is the fact that maybe a lot of the area was deforested for human use uh, with little thought of, of reclamation or replacement. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that's the kind of thing we can prevent in the future. Do you think it's possible, one theory, is that because way back in time, all of the forest that was there in those different parts of the world and the continent had such large animals that ate up the trees, uh, individual uh, life was coming along, needing to have the, the, for, the trees as their nutrition way back so long ago, and that all of a sudden they, the water became, because no one understood, of course, the water, the importance of water, and then came time what water was left and that human life didn't understand the value. They just thought it was always going to be there. They never, they took it for granted the water was always going to be there. Well, yes, I think we do take that for granted. But in relating to the size of animals, actually the size of uh, animals and and, uh, life species in an ecology relate to the interrelationship of those animals to each other, and the amount of nutrient and water is available. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of course, we have to remember there has been climatic changes over the long term that, uh, that can 
enter into the the presence of deserts where there used to be vegetative areas. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go to climate change. What are you learning when you're out there working with the seeds? What do we? What do? What do you? You've got to especially be learning a lot, touching those seeds to see what each year what is happening with the climate change. Well, what, what I've become noticed? aware of is that it is very remarkable what is in a seed. Uh, nature is very resilient, and when there's a change in in a climate in an area, there is involved in the seeds from the many individuals in a forest or an ecology that will adjust to that change. And uh, we just we can assist in that adjustment. So. Mm-hmm. Now, what are you noticing? I'm going to ask another question here on the soil. You're going out into the forest of the most beautiful soil out in the world. Have you noticed any changes in the soil around those trees? What I've noticed is that when the um, we we have made some uh, hybrid forest species that we have uh, been putting in in the sites that do not produce a good forest or no forest at all. And uh, one example that I'll give you is that we planted one of these hybrid species in the sand dunes on the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just sand. And in uh, 10 years, there was soil there that those trees and all these species that then grew under them produced. Oh, no, no. Let's do that one again. So um, about a decade ago, your company went over and planted some seeds. Yes. Actually, it's and been then a long did you plant the seeds or did you, pa- did you plant a sibling tree, uh, a, little, a, seed, a tree that was already growing? Yes, we planted the, uh, what was known as KMX. It's a cross okay. between two four species, okay. and it grows uh, in uh, very readily in uh, a site that wouldn't uh, support most other species. And it did. It did. And soil started moving with the tree the growth of the tree. What happens is that the soil is produced from the needles that are dropped from the tree. Oh, the mulching. Uh huh. And that very quickly uh, then uh, becomes uh, soil. Jerry, isn't that exciting to think, you know, um, I have taken this show on and splashed my research for the many years on understanding that the life cycle of all life on Earth, whether it be a tree, the soil, the moss, the fern, whatever it is, has to have water. And that our life on Earth can be here forever, be healthier if we primarily make a focus water very important water. Yes. And as you've been told and heard, and and especially our show is really talking about it, is water well, W-E-L-L, with a teardrop, save a child's life. Jerry, 5,000 children a day are dying because of lack of water and sanitation. 5,000 children. You know, we can put our hearts in our hands and we can go out and do all these things for these wonderful children and there's no such thing as an imperfect child. They're all perfect. And then we look at what you just said. Can you imagine going into those countries and growing trees? I can. And uh, But, you know, Sharon, what comes to me so often is that it's not just people like yourself and a profession like mine that creates all that. It's a thing that every person in this world has to be a part of, of if it's going to work. Exactly. We need to bring, you know, we've had on our show, Jerry, uh, uh, World Vision, the head of World Vision on here. We've had 
the head of Living Water Foundations and the, uh, that group uh, out of Texas. So we've been having, and oh, we were just in Sweden with the World Water Week where the royal family um, put on World Water Week uh, annually. And, and uh, it's, uh, we're going out, to, this is the only radio talk show that's out there running around trying to pay its dues to earn uh, respect to the world, and we've been bringing people in from Kenya, and and they're in Kenya when we're talking to them, and different parts. We were in Holland on World Water Day, and with the head of the World Water Resource there, and and um, we've been really trying. And you're right, the world. We need to get together. We need to join. And those children that are innocent children, I don't know. Did you, Jerry, by chance get that National Geographic uh, that was the special water issue this year? Uh, yes, I did. Oh, it's exciting. And yeah. I've had some of the writers on our show. And we look at that world water, our thirsty world, and, and what is happening. But the children, like over in India, this child crowds in line. This little boy, I think he was eight years old, he had a baggie, a plastic baggie. He was just going to get a baggie of water. And the children were so upset, the people were so upset, he crowded in line, Jerry. They beat him up, and he died. Uh-huh. And so we as a group of people uh, on this planet with a mission like yourself, can you imagine getting people to think about growing trees and then getting the first seed, seedling to sprout the importance of water in their area and then bringing a water well? Uh, the oil companies around the world have the most sophisticated drilling uh, rigs and equipment in the world to bring them together, and, and add, they've been donating these to drilling water for the different c- countries and different places. But can you imagine yourself saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to come in and let's also plant some trees? You yes. know, and it, can you imagine what it would do for the soil? Oh, yes. yes. Of course, that's the focus of the, of the profession that I've been dealing with, is to make as many trees as possible in the broadest of an area as possible. Exactly. And those trees, uh, audience, and Jerry, they, I'm going to bring a vision. Like I said, Jerry, you get away from Earth and you look back at Earth like you're, you're a little mouse looking at Earth. And, oh, my gosh, Earth has the water, but Earth has trees. Earth has rivers and lakes and streams and life that could go on forever. But for us to take the resource and, and, and seriousness, the crisis of our planet is not politics, Jerry. The crisis is we need to join as people and bring together a mission that we know there's certain things that all of us can do, and there's no person that's not important. You said it today. Every single person is important to do this. And those children, we put their hearts in our hands, and we reach out to those innocent children and start stop slowing down those 5,000 a day. When we start slowing down 5,000 a day of children dying, all of a sudden we've got an earth that will be there forever because they'll take it, they'll be serious. They'll make sure there's water because their lives were saved because of water. Well, I want to thank you for joining us and what you're doing to make a better planet. It was and my pleasure as usual. So how much longer are you going to be in the forest getting the pine cones? Well, uh, it's about done, actually, uh, and it was not a good uh, cone year. Uh, you're probably aware we, our weather has been really unusual uh, this last year, mm-hmm. and because of that, there were not very many cones produced, and that's uh-huh. one of the problems that we cope with. Yep. Uh, well, uh, bless you, and tell everyone we said hello. 
I sure will. Thank and you, you do the same. Time. Thank you so much. Have a nice day and be well, Jerry. Mm-hmm. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Wow. I learned a lot. I, I, I always feel funny during this show uh, saying, well, but I do. Uh, you know, put your heart in your hands and think about uh, a child's heart in your hands and think about what we all can do. And we just learned from Jerry Barnes, trees can make a, a better plan, uh, uh, earth planet, planet Earth. And can you imagine the excitement of taking trees to different places in the world where children are having water scarcity, no resource of water, but they start learning how to plant a tree also and know what the future of water is to them and they can say, water can save their life? You know, water well with a teardrop, save a child's life. Let's think about that. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Miss, and we're going to come back with Kathleen Cooper who is a manager with Global Water Resources, another education program for us. We'll be right back with Kathleen. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Kathleen, are you with us? I'm here. It's nice to have you today. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about a global water uh, organization. What is it doing and how how old is it? Well, global water is a uh, volunteer-based international nonprofit humanitarian organization. It was founded in 1982, and uh, we're focused on providing safe water supplies, sanitation facilities, and related health programs for rural villages in developing countries. What about the United States of America? How much time are you spending here for the children in different areas of that country that are having challenges with water in the United States? You know, we don't focus in the United States. We actually focus our efforts in developing countries, mm-hmm. specifically okay. in rural villages and developing countries. Okay. Now, we're having, you've heard probably, if you heard my show earlier with uh, Jerry Barnes, uh, my concern is the water well with a teardrop save a child's life. The 5,000 children are dying a day. Are you going into those areas of the world and concentrating on the children that are dying? 
Yes. Um, we currently um, are focusing our efforts in, um, in, in Africa, Central America, and South America. Mm-hmm. In, uh, and when we, when we hear these reports or read these reports about the children that are dying a day, which is, I mean, isn't it, it just absolutely takes your, uh, and you get your, their hearts in your hands. They're expecting we, as mature adults, to think about saving lives with the children. There's no such thing as an imperfect child. Every single child is a perfect person. And they're depending upon all of us for their life and livelihood and their healthiness. Water is at the top. It's not the food. It's the water. So when you go into these countries, are you primarily looking for what? When you go in with your charitable organization, what is your first focus to look for? Well, um, I definitely agree with you that... um um, water is a, is a number one priority. Global water, our philosophy is that the lack of safe water and proper sanitation facilities are typically the most significant problems affecting these rural populations. Um, and specifically, it's the lack of safe drinking water and the lack of the access to sanitation facilities that are the, that are the, the root causes of disease, hunger, and poverty um, throughout these de- developing nations. Um, you know, when you say that, uh, now where do you think the primary, uh, can you answer that, where is the most import- primary crisis located? When you take number one, where is the most crisis location in, in, uh, in not an, uh, bad water, not enough water, bad sanitation? Where is the number one location that you have concentrated on? Well, We've concentrated on, um, like I said, Africa and Central and South America. I don't know if you can say that there's one place in the entire world that requires our, um, our assistance right now. I think there's you know, several areas throughout the world in the developing nations that um, they all have um, problems with water, sanitation, uh, the lack of water. You know, there's um, there's uh, different circumstances in each, in each area that makes... Uh, the, uh, the now, when you go water. into a location like in Africa, and you find that who do you take? Does somebody go into these different locations in the villages, and and, and the townships, and find out what, what is necessary, and get the community and committees? Do you form a community committee to get it started? Mm-hmm. Well, yep, we are working with local groups so that they can develop the construction expertise and the program management skills to build water-related facilities in their own country. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right. There's always a uh, community aspect to our projects, and they're always um, 100% involved in decision-making, and and they create their own community-based group that later on manages the water facility. What do they call that? Uh, do they have a special name they call it, um, a committee or a project? What do they call their project when they're focusing on water? What's it called? Um, do they have a name places, for that? In different places, it's, it's called something different. Um, for example, in Central America, I think it's the, uh, the Water Community Committee. You're right. Okay, okay. And in Africa, probably across the board, almost everybody calls it water com- community committees. Yeah, I mean, basically that's what it is, yeah. Now, when you go in and you form these committees and you start with that relationship, who do you go to first? Is there a particular person that's, a head of the, that's got a title or, 
position in the in the community. Uh, who, who do you go to uh, here in our country? If you go to a city or a, con- a state, we have titles of governor, mayors, water resource shed managers. Who is the person you would talk to? Let's say if you went into Africa. Well, uh, again, we like to involve the entire community, but you're right. A lot of times um, when we go in um, with local groups, um, they're communicating with the community and the um, and and uh, sometimes you know the people that are that are in charge of the community. A lot of times in these rural areas, um, there isn't a specific um, mayor that is in, that is involved with the with the whole region, a lot of times it is really um, people within the community that, uh, that, um, that are very important to that area. Now, are you finding, and now let's, let's talk about that for a minute so our audience can understand. So as an organization, you go in, and where do you get permission to even be there? Do you go to some place that you get a permission first to be there at all? Where do you go first? Well, we're working with these local organizations that are already in the area. So they've been communicating with... Um, now, when the, you say local organizations, who are those? Well, we have, we have a lot of partner organizations that we work with. Uh-huh. Um, and they're all um, um, Native communities from that area. Mm-hmm. So they understand um, the situation in that area way better than, than me just to go down there. Of course. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I'm t- trying to help my audience understand. There's a lot of charitable water groups throughout the United States going all over the world and out of England, out of Sweden. You know, Sweden just had its World Water Week. The royal family is 20 years later putting it on, and scientists from all over the world. In fact, we had three shows there in Sweden mm-hmm. uh, recently. Um, we've known that uh, there's other charitable water organizations that are very serious like yourself going in and, and, and trying to encourage uh, improvement in, um, in, in forming these committees. And can you have too many committees, Kathleen? No. Um, but what I'm trying to learn for our audience, uh, when you go in as an organization, the primary focus you have is uh, who do you choose? Do they choose you or do you choose them to, uh, to form the committee? Well, you're right. We may be a little bit different from other organizations working um, on water issues. Um, you know, we don't send teams of volunteers to work in the developing countries to build water facilities and then to leave. Um, we try for our projects to be sustainable and to be local, um, and that's why we're working with local organizations. Um, now, are you, building, are you going in and actually being behind the technology and uh, everything that's necessary to dig a well, improve the water uh, health uh, uh, quality, or do you go in and start the, the committees to get them thinking going that direction? Uh, what is your focus? Um, well, you're right. There's, there is a bit of bureaucracy but, um, behind, some of our, behind a lot of projects. You, you do have to follow the laws of the country. Right. So, um, for example, like you said, um, drilling a well in Africa. Um, there's a portion of effort that's gone into communicating with the community and um, discussing what, is the, um, what does the community actually need. Mm-hmm. And there's another um, part of, uh, of our effort is to go through the proper um, um, levels of uh, um, 
um, government involvement as well, which, of course, it it involves getting permits and um, doing a geological study and figuring out where the location of the well will be. So, So it's quite a bit of effort to actually figure out the location of the well. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. Now, when you go, where, where has your where has your organization been doing a lot of successful work? We've only had a couple of minutes left. Where have you found the most uh, satisfying, successful um, uh, contributions that you've been able to achieve to get a lot of wells uh, available to the different communities in different countries? Where where is your number one? Where is your number two? And where, let's say, number three? I'm sorry, I think I was disconnected. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, Kathleen. Uh, where in, with your organization, we don't have too much time left, yep. do you find that your, com- com- your organization is gone and had the most successful uh, contribution to helping a community? Uh, where it w- we'll go like n- the most, Im- one, of the mo- one, one, one spot, two spots, three spots before the time is done. Okay. Our project right now, we're focusing our projects in um, three countries in Africa. Botswana, mm-hmm. Tanzania, and Kenya. And in okay. those places, our projects are, ma- are mainly focused in drilling wells because uh-huh. the landscape is very arid, but there is a quite, quite a bit of groundwater in those areas. Wonderful. We're, we're focusing our area there. In okay, Central, yeah, I am so sorry. We're out of time. Okay. And, and what I'm looking at there is um, maybe they don't have as much pollution in their soils and groundwaters as maybe we as industrialized countries uh, have. Uh, are you finding that out? Um, yes. In the areas that we are um, concentrating on, there, it's not so much of an issue of pollution in the water. Mm-hmm. It's more of an issue of um, access. To cl- a- access. Yes. Well, th- Kathleen, tell everyone I said hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, you so be much. well, and uh, thank you. You are part of Earth's human mission to help that water crisis. Um, I want to thank you all for what you're doing. Tell everyone we said hello, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I know how busy you are. Okay, you are. thanks so much for this opportunity to speak with you. Thank you, Kathleen. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, with, with what is happening here on the Earth is this show has been dedicated to the crisis of the water is an obstacle that can be solved. And, and it's like Jerry Barnes said and others have said to, on the show for so long that we as people on this planet can join together and make a priority of not politics, the water crisis, the water resource of the world. And as Jerry Barnes said today, the trees grow with the water and the soil will change. It becomes healthier. So the more trees we have and the, more, the healthier the soil the earth, the planet earth, is, is, has, is, will help healthier water. As you're learning about the children that are dying a day and the people all over the world that are having a challenge for their lives because there's not healthy water sanitation available, let's join together and listen to this show and see what we can do. I'm saying my motto, water, well, W-E-L-L, with a teardrop, save a child's life. Earth does have a secret. Embrace your life and somebody else's every special moment. But Earth has has a whisper about that footprint that I talk about. You will leave a footprint behind because you did something special for somebody else and you will be immortal forever. It's the water, it's the water, it's the water. I want to thank you for listening and you have a special day. 
and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 